to talk tonight about the spirit of revival. As we're getting ready for this revival, I want us to know that there's a preparation that we can have. And I want to ask you an honest question tonight. I think I, I believe I know the answer, but how many, how many believe that we are in revival already? Does anybody believe that we're already in revival as a church? If you don't know that, you will. Just keep coming. God is, God is doing something. I'm excited about what he's already done. I'm excited about what he's doing. But I'm most excited about what he's going to do. Amen. The past is great. Today is awesome. But how many know the future is even better? And so I want to talk about the spirit of revival. And, and uh, you'll, if you don't know, know what that means, you'll know by the time this is over. But I want to start in Psalms 85, verse 6. Um, apologize for anybody that's, uh, not that they're going to hear me, is uh, needing to watch this online tonight. I was thinking about Sue and Ed who never miss. And they'll just have to catch the podcast. Uh, Dylan has been work, getting stuck working on Wednesdays for a long time, and then uh, David's not feeling well tonight, so we're not able to, to live stream. Uh, they'll just have to catch the podcast, amen? But I want, I want to tell you tonight that Psalms 85, 6 says this, that will you not revive us again? Will you not revive us again? David is making a prayer. He's, he's asking God, would you not do something again? Would you not restore, renew, uh, touch our hearts again? And he says, for this reason, that your people may rejoice in you. How many know when God brings revival, it is for people? It's for you and I, and it's for people to know the Lord. It's for us to be revived personally. Pastor Mario had a great lead-in without absolutely any idea what I was preaching about. And, and that's always how the Holy Spirit works. And he talked about the, 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 the revival being uh, started on us individually. Revival is personal. We're going to see that it's corporate as well. But re corporate revival happens from personal revival. Where every single one of us are putting ourselves in the position to see God move. And that's what I want to challenge you to think about tonight. So he says, will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Now, there, there's some reasons why I believe we're in revival. And we've been in revival, and, and, but at the same time, we haven't still seen what we want to see. So when we say that we're in revival, that doesn't mean we've arrived or we're happy. We want to see more. And Leonard Ravenhill, an old preacher, said this powerful quote. He said, there was a time when people went to church to meet with God. Amen? There was a time when people went to church to meet with God. And, and, and not now they come to church to sing songs and hear stories about God. Amen? But that's why I know that we're in revival because that's not us. We don't show up here to, to we, yes, we sing songs, obviously, but we're not coming to, to be entertained. We're not coming to hear some super famous person speak. We're not here, coming here to be intellectually challenged. We're here to meet God, amen? How many came tonight to meet with God in this place? And to get to know God more and to get to know him greater and to know who he is. And so I know that that's not the case here and we are in revival. But how many would believe with me that God has more? We should never be satisfied. Happily, you've heard me say this before, happily discontent. Amen? Happily discontent. That, that can go into your own personal walk with God. That can go into your marriage. That can go into your relationships. We should be happily discontent in the sense that we are happy, but we're not content because we know we can be better. We know we can have more. The Bible says, They who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be denied. What does it say? They shall be filled. 
Is there anybody hungry in here tonight? Not for food, but for the things of God. Is anybody hungry in here to see God do something supernatural and amazing and unexplainable that only God gets the glory for? Amen? Hungry for something about God. And we're going to get into that in a moment. But I want to tell you that Haggai chapter 2, watch this, verse 9, says this. And I want to say this at this moment. I didn't even think about this when I was putting this message together. But as you look at the Old Testament, remember that the Old Testament is the New Testament and the New Testament is the Old Testament. Let's say that again in case you're new. So the Old Testament is the New Testament. So it's hiding stuff in the Old Testament that's going to be revealed in the New Testament. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And so they work hand in hand. And Haggai and David in Psalms and Joel that we're not going to read tonight and all these other chapters are talking about a future move of God And let me give you some good news tonight. The move of God that they were talking about in the Old Testament, we're seeing today. And we're able to be a part of that tonight. Do you realize that we're the move of God that those people were talking about? That's powerful, amen? That should get us excited. Do you know that we are that last generation that is going to see the move of God? The last great awakening. And I'm going to tell you about a revival in a second that I want us to believe for. That has happened in the past, but I want to see us to see it again. And so I'm getting our hearts ready to believe for something amazing this weekend. Now, how many believe we had a great revival with Pastor Marshall? Powerful, amazing revival. And here's what happens in a revival. In your marriage, you come in and, again, you might have say, you know what, our marriage is doing really good, but it can get better. You might come in and say our marriage is struggling a little bit and God will tweak some things and fix some things. I know of several couples that have shared with me that God did some amazing things in their, in their lives and in their marriage during that, during that uh, revival. But, but God has more this weekend than he had that weekend. Amen? So we're believing for something more. So it says this, the glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former. Amen? Says the Lord of hosts. He says, in that place, I will give peace, said the Lord of hosts. I want you to focus on that top part. He says, the glory of the latter. That means what's coming is better than what has already come. Come on, church. I'm I'm preaching better than you're clapping. Amen? How many believe that God has something greater coming than we've already seen? We have seen miracles, we've seen breakthrough, we've seen testimonies, but it's not enough. God wants to do more, and he wants to use us, as Pastor Mario said. We're the Peters, and it starts with us. Say, revival starts with me. Now, if you're taking notes, here's a few things that are main ingredients, I believe, of a revival. These are things I believe that we have happening in our church and things that can be better. These same things can be better. Uh, these four, four things tonight, humility is one. God moves when people are humble. Amen? Number two, when people pray bold prayers. When people pray bold prayers. We're going to get into each one of these. Number three, when they hunger after God. When there is a hunger for God. There is a desire to be in church over any place else. There's a desire to be in the presence of God than any other activity that's happening around the world. And the fourth one is probably the truest and really what really ushers in a revival. It is repentance from sin. Okay, did y'all get that? Humility. Prayers of boldness, and then hungering after God, and finally turning from sin. 
So what is revival? The definition biblically says to be restored to life or health, to cause to grow, to sustain life. So, so some of us in here are alive, but God wants us to be more alive. He wants us, he, some of us in here are growing, but he wants us to grow more. He wants us to be closer to God this March than we were last March. Amen? He wants to do something amazing in our hearts. I, I began to prepare a message tonight that was a little different, and then I'm going to preach it, I don't know when, in the next couple of weeks, about the remnant church. And the remnant church is a church that, is, that, that comes and is birthed out of, out of problems and, and survives after catastrophes. And how many know we just went through a catastrophe last year? And so there's a true remnant church. Do you guys realize tonight, and I'm, I'm just getting off this message a little bit for a second. Do you realize there's a lot of churches that aren't even having services still in, in, in the buildings? And so God, God is doing something, and he is, he is raising up a remnant church that is separate and different, that's alive. How many believe God's church is alive today? More alive than it's ever been. Amen. More alive than it's ever been. And we're not a dead church. Jesus is not in the grave. He's alive. And we serve that Jesus. So there's two kinds of revival in the Bible, and we're going to see both of them. Number one is personal. Personal revival. And number two is corporate. Corporate revival. I mentioned that a second ago. You cannot have the corporate revival without the personal revival. And all it takes, how many know a fire just takes a spark? It just takes a spark, just the slightest little bit of spark. So, so God is looking for somebody in this place, and Pastor Mario was already in my message, amen. He's looking for somebody to say, it's me, Lord. It's me. Here I am. And, and then, like I said on Sunday, what happens if five of us do it? Then we can chase a a a 10,000, amen. If more of us go, it's me. If it's not just one, then we don't have a spark. We've got a fire. And that fire breaks out and changes the city of Denton, changes the city of Crum, changes the city of Sanger, changes the city of Gainesville, changes all these cities around, ponder, prosper. People start getting hungry for a move of God. They want to be in church. They want to be around the people of God. And miracles happen when a personal revival starts. Something that's, how many know something that's alive and healthy grows and bears fruit? So I know we're in revival because we're growing and we're bearing fruit. All of us are witnessing. We're sharing our faith with other people. We're telling people about what the Lord has done for us. Now here's a couple, a few things that hinder revival. How many know we have to know what hinders as well? Here's some things that can, and, and here's another reason why I believe that our church is in revival. Because these things are, are things that can happen, but they're not things that are happening. Does that make sense? We, we, you, you can recognize when something is sick, when something's in danger. I'm not saying that <clears throat> there's never any of these things, but this isn't something that's evident. And here's some, some of those things. It's when the people of God are easily offended. God is moving in revival when, when we can preach messages like I've preached in the last month and people thank me for it instead of being offended. Amen. You get what I'm saying? So there's a revival happening, but when people are easily offended by the word of God, not by the preacher, but by the word of God, then that hinders a revival. Gossip hinders a revival. Compromise and justification of sin hinders a revival. 
where we, where we compromise and we say that's not that big of a deal or it's, it, I'm not, it's not that bad of a sin and I don't believe those things are taking place in our church. Things that hinder revival is when the, when the church acts and talks like the world. Amen. We, we, when I say we, the church around the world has tried to become so relevant that they, don't, they look like the world. And you can no longer see a difference between the world and the church. Am I preaching the truth? That's not revival. God told us to come out of them. God told us not to be unequally yoked. God told us to stand apart and to be different. Another thing that hinders revival is when we put things over God's house. When we allow the littlest things to keep us out of the house of God. That's not happening here. Amen? Again, I'm not saying there's not... There's probably situations that are happening in small, but I'm saying in general, we're making the house of God an emphasis. Look at all you here that are here on a Wednesday night. This is revival. Amen. I don't know what percentage comes back on a Wednesday night, but it's a lot because we're hungry for God. And here's, here's another couple things that are obvious. Neglecting prayer and neglecting the reading of the word. So, so when I say these are hindrances, I look at our church and I say that we're ripe, we're in revival, but we're ripe for a greater revival because I see in this place that a people who are telling me, Pastor, preach the truth. Amen. I've mentioned it before. As I started to think about it, a lot of our people in our church now, we have some that live very close, but obviously nobody lives really close because we're out in the country. And we've been out here for almost, can anybody believe we've been out almost four years already in this church? Time is flying, amen? But we have people, I would, I would, if I were to guess, I would say that half of our church drives at least a half an hour to this church. Half of our church. We have people that drive 45 minutes. We have people that drive an hour. We have people that drive an hour and 15 minutes. We have people that drive an hour and a half. That's a long way to drive on, to church two or three or four times a week. And many of you know the Nidhams. Hope I'm saying that name right. Jason and, and, and uh, Myra that drive all the way from Oklahoma City every Sunday morning. And every time I preach, you know why we're in, I know we're in revival? Because he comes up to me and he tells me that's why we drive two and a half hours. Because we want to hear the truth. Come on, church. That's revival. People aren't going to drive two and a half hours to watch an ice truck. How many know fires, fire engines attract people? When the ice truck drives by, nobody knows. But when the fire is going on and the sirens are going off, people want to go see where the fire is. And I believe that there's a people coming and to this church, and I believe that, and I've been saying this, and part of what we're going to see in this revival is there's going to be an exodus of the megachurch. People are going to begin to get tired of these, of these preachings that are, that, are not, that are compromising, and people are going to start saying, I want the truth. They just don't know what the truth is yet. And they're going to hear it from us. We're going to witness to them. And they're going to begin to leave that dead, dry church and come hear the truth. We're not trying to proselyte people, but we need people. There's people that are hungry for a move of God. They're tired of checking the box. And a lot of them don't even know it. Let me tell you this. Let me give you something for us to look forward to. And, and I'm the first one to say this as I say this. I don't, I, sometimes I, I struggle even taking the time to do this because I was the one that would hear these revivals. And that's why all of you know that I have such a heart for a revival. 
I'm going to mention it anyways, but I used to hear these stories of these old revivals, and I used to get almost upset because I would say, why do we always have to talk about what happened? Does anybody in here want to talk about what's happening? Does anybody want to be in a revival and see a revival instead of hearing about a revival? Can I, can I say that one more time just in case you were just now waking up? Let me just read it first, and I'll say it again. Here, but listen to this revival. How many have ever heard of the Welch Revival? Okay, may, may, we have some in here that have heard of it, and that's, that's good that you haven't. Because listen to this. It was 100 years ago. But this is revival. This is what we can see today if we believe. And again, Pastor Mario was right on with what he said at prayer when he made it personal because there was a man named Evan Roberts who, who, who did, simply did one thing right. And if you've listened to me preach very long, you know that I'm, this is the thing I know. My, my preaching, my words don't matter if I have not spent time with God. It's prayer. Prayer, 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 prayer is the key. Prayer is the key to revival. And this young man didn't do anything else but pray. And in 1904, listen to this, this 26-year-old who was working with the teenagers prayed for revival, and he prayed for 11 years. 11 years is a long time. That gives me hope because I've been believing for, I, again, I'm, I'm trying to make this clear. We are seeing a revival, but we are not seeing or haven't seen the revival that God wants us to see and that I know I want to see. Do you understand the difference? So when he said he prayed for 11 years, I've been waiting 27 years. So I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't know how he prayed or nothing, but I just know I've been waiting a long, lot longer than him. But he got to see it. And he says, as he began to, to pray, he felt God was going to pour out a mighty spirit of revival on Wales over there in the United Kingdom. And he prayed, Lord, bend me. Bend me, O Lord. Do what you have to do. Break me. Do what you have to do to me. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand and clap, but God's looking for some people in this place tonight that are willing to make some sacrifices and saying, Lord, bend me. Break me. Use me. Do whatever you want, but I want to see revival. So he, he began to pray, and he began to help the youth, and at one time, finally, the pastor let him speak following a prayer meeting. Out of the entire large church, listen to this, only 17 people stayed. So service was over, and, and the pastor gets up and says, young so-and-so is going to bring a word, and, and everybody left, but 17 stayed, and it, it was most of the young people up front. All of the people up front, the young, that's what it says, the young people and young adults stayed. And he preached a message. And the story says that, Every single one of them came to the altar. And they began to cry out to God until 2 a.m. Until 2 o'clock in the morning. See, we've seen these kind, we've seen pictures. We've seen pieces. We've seen, we, I, I've preached a youth camp where they're there till midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning, and don't want to leave. I've, been, I've seen that in our fellowship. I've seen it. I, I was saved in that. You know my story. I was saved. And when I got up from the altar, it was after midnight. I'm I know what that looks like. So they, they were there till 2 o'clock in the morning. And that same week that he preached for the very first time, 60 people got saved in one week. 
Listen to this. Listen to what revival can do. If one person believes for it, it says over the next one and a half years, in, revi- in the revival in Wales, listen to this number, over 100,000 people got saved. 100,000 people got saved. Do you know that there's about, I don't know if how, they don't include UNT or what it is recently, but did you know that the, the, the population of Denton is about 130,000 people? What if God decided through this church and through us to save the city of Denton in the next year and a half? 100,000 people. See, some of you don't believe that can happen. Oh, that sounds good. Do you believe that can happen? I don't need all of you to believe it. I just need a few of you to believe it. And I believe a few of you believe it. And and revival broke out in such a way, would you listen to this, that it changed, it did not just change the city he was in, it changed the nation, the entire culture of the nation. Bars and liquor stores shut down. Went out of business. That's revival. Entire police forces were dismissed. They had no job. They weren't defunded because of the ridiculous violence and false agenda. They were, they were told they got to go home because we ain't got nobody for you to protect because everybody's in church and nobody's stealing and nobody's robbing. Well, we don't believe that can happen now. I do. Revival broke out so much that they would pray from 1 to 5 a.m. And at one point during this revival church, in their meetings, they would have 2,000 people at a prayer meeting. 2,000 people at a prayer meeting. And 100,000 people saved, bars and liquor stores shut down, and no police force working from one man who said, I want to see revival. Who preached to 17 young people, who multiplied to 60, and the rest is history. Church, do you believe tonight with me that we're writing our history right now? That we're writing something that's going to happen in Denton? You know, I don't know of, I, 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 don't, I haven't studied out good, but I've at least never, I haven't heard of a major revival breaking out in this city. How about it be us? You know, in the sports world, they talk about the Super Bowl and, different, and the NBA championship, and they, and they go, why not us? Can you look at the person next to you and say, why not us? Why can't the revival be here? Why can't the revival be in this church? Why can't the revival be with us? Why can't the revival start right here tonight that's going to change the city of Denton? Amen. I believe it. Second Chronicles chapter 7. Again, Old Testament. When Solomon had finished praying, verse 1, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. See, in the Old Testament, they had offerings and sacrifices. What he wants to burn today is our idols. He wants to burn our, our things that, that, that take up our time that we've dealt with in the last few months. The, the things that have become uh, consuming of our time. He wants to burn those things down. And it says, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Do you believe that God could move in such a way, church, that we feel the presence of God? There's no doubt. There's no doubt when we're worshiping, God's here. But what would it be like to see God move in such a way that we become paralyzed in the presence of God? Where we can't even move. Not in a bad, scary way. In a good way. Amen? Where we just can't leave because the glory of God is so strong. 
And it says, the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of, of Israel saw how the fire came down. And see, that's why when you hear us say, Lord, we want the fire in this place. It's not weird. We're not trying to sound super spiritual. This fire is the symbol of the Holy Spirit. He said, John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with fire. With the power of the Holy Spirit. And that fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple and they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement. See, you begin to see when the presence of the Lord is moving and revival is happening, people go to their faces and that's humility, that's prayer, that's hunger for God, and that's repenting of our sins. All in one, amen? And they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and praised, saying, For he is good, and his mercy endures forever. Amen. I just am going to go on record again that I'm going to see this happen, whether you want to see it or not. Amen. Does anybody else say that with me? I just need a few. And you know what? As we write this history, we're going to, we're going to talk about it in heaven. We're going to be up there in that banquet, and we're going to be talking about how God moved, how God showed up, how God came in, and only God is going to get the glory. Quickly, let me run through these four things I mentioned. Number one, humility. Four things that get us ready for Friday, and not just this weekend, but revival period. Number one, we need to walk in humility. There's way too much pride in the kingdom of God today. Amen. We, we need to walk in humility. I, I mentioned it a few uh, weeks ago. When, when, when pastors are called rock stars, something's wrong. Don't ever call me a rock star. I don't want to be called that, ever. Not even anything close to it. Just call me pastor. Amen. I saw there, we need more humility. There's too much stardom in the world today. There's too much hunger for that. We need God. And we need to humble ourselves and say, it's not about me, it's about God. How many know God gives us gifts? Every single, look at the person next to you and say, you got gifts. Do you believe that? Tell them one more time. Tell that person next to you, you've got gifts. Now ask them this, are you using them? Probably not. Probably not. But if we begin to use them. If we begin to step in humility and walk in God's gifts, there's nothing we can't see. Isaiah 50, well, let me say this first. What's the opposite of humility? Pride. So if we need humility to see revival, then we have to bind and come against the spirit of pride. And every single one of us has it. You don't even know it, but you have it. We have to bind that. We have to say, Lord, I humble. One of the best things you can say, the first words out of your mouth when you pray, is, Lord, I humble myself in your presence. Amen? A whole understanding that, that God is a big God. Amen? Isaiah 57, 15. For thus says the Lord, high and lo he's the high and lofty one. What, what, what business do we have as believers being high and lofty? He's the one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. He says, I dwell in the high and holy place 
with him who has... Now, now, see, he can say, I am. Only Jesus can say, I am. Before Abraham was, I was. God can say that. God can say all those things. And with all the... He, he can have pride if that's considered that. He can say it. But he says... This is an amazing thing. As, as big as God is and as high as he is, he will share his glory. He'll share his power. He'll share his presence with a person, the Bible says, who is what? Humble. So the first thing that begins to happen when you want to say, God, I want you to use me, is you become less. You become less. And you get a humble spirit. And, and let me just help you tonight. I haven't said this for quite a while. Don't ever, ever, ever. Say this with me. Don't ever, ever, ever. Say it again. Ever, ever, ever. Say, humble me, Lord. Did you hear me? Did you say that with me? Bad prayer. Not, not a good prayer. Oh, humble me. No, 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 no. no. Lord. I humble myself. You don't want to be humbled by God. So there's a, there's a play on words there that's very, very important. Lord, I humble myself. And he says, I dwell in the high and holy place with him. Ooh, with him. Not above him, with him. Who has a contrite and humble spirit. I, I'm going to get into, this is another message I'm working on that talks about our identity. I talked a little bit about it with the men last Friday, the Friday before. Who we are in God. Okay, who we are in God. We need to act, walk, think, and, and, and talk like children of God. Amen? And he says, he who has a contrite and humble spirit. Why does he, why does he, do, why does he dwell with us? To revive the spirit of the humble. To revive, there's that word, the spirit of the humble. And to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Amen. Where they, listen to this. Write this down if you're taking notes. And I'm going to push through this fast. Where there is humility, God shows up. Humility means we acknowledge our need for God. There's a quote by Jim Simbola who's got a great church in New York. And he wrote a book that's really good called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. There's not a lot of books that I read or like to read, but this is a good one. He says, God is attracted to weakness. He can't resist those who humbly and honestly admit how desperately they need him. Our weakness, in fact, makes room for God's power. When we humble ourselves and become less, he becomes more. Number two, Bold prayers. What's the roadblock to bold to prayer? Bold prayers? Prayerlessness. We know the verse, 2 Chronicles 7:14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, what will God do? I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will hear their land. Does anybody in here believe that this is a prayer that God will answer? It's time for us to make one solid prayer every day, and that's for every single one of us to say, Lord, send revival. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who's able to do exceedingly, 
abundantly above what we ask or think according to the power that works in us. This ties into number three, hungering for God. Hungering for God. A desire for God. Wanting to be with the Lord. You know what the roadblock of hunger is? Satisfaction. I'm good being saved. I'm good going to heaven. I'm good getting my crown. I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm happy. I'm taking my ticket with me. Satisfaction. God says, happily discontent. I want you to be happily discontent. Psalm 63 verse 1 says, God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. As I read this, don't answer, don't lift your hands, but does your soul thirst for the things of God? My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. How many realize tonight that revival is not a formula? I'm giving you some things here, but it's not a formula. It's about falling in love with Jesus again. Every day, falling in love with Jesus again. I don't have this in the notes, but it's in the Amplified. Paul, the apostle, said this, My purpose is that I might might know him. That I might progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Are you satisfied with just being saved? Or do you want to know him? Are you satisfied with just coming to church? Or do you want to hear his voice? You want to to know his thoughts. Do you want to know his feelings? Do you want to know his desires? That only comes from hunger and only comes from spending time with God. Matthew 6, 6. I'm going to close with this. This is a powerful verse. And this is what what, uh, Evan Roberts did. He found a place called the secret place. This is your room. This is your living room. This is whatever room you decide to make it. Some people have made it a closet. If you've never seen the movie War Room, go watch the movie War Room. Some of, we need to re-watch the movie War Room right now. Because God needs some, of the, the, some people like that that will go into a prayer closet and seek God. It says, Matthew 6, 6, but you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you shut the door, pray to your Father who's in the secret place. And your Father who sees you in secret, ooh, this is good, will reward you openly. Listen to me closely. You will never see God, somebody who God is doing something in their life publicly, if they have not been alone with God privately. If it's real. I'm not talking about lights, camera, action, but I mean real power of God, real spirit of the Lord, real presence of God is because they've been alone with God. They've spent time with them. And the last one, this, I don't have to take a long time on this one tonight because it's, it's, it's where the Holy Spirit speaks to you. We turn from our sin. Do you realize that if you do those first three, you will not want to sin? Do you realize that? If you are humbling yourselves before God, if you have that spirit of humility and you are in prayer and you're hungering for the Lord in a secret place, you're not going to want to sin. And when you are in some kind of sin or dealing with some kind of attitude, He will tell you what it is. And you, watch this, you will deal with it secretly. 
so that God doesn't have to expose you publicly. Did you hear me? If you will deal with it secretly, God won't have to expose it publicly. And so that's where that repentance comes from. That's why we have an altar call. Every service. Because we come down, and, and here's the best attitude you can have. Man, I, 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 I can't think of one thing that I blatantly did this week, but Lord, search my heart. Search me, Lord, if there be anything in my life. If, Lord, show me what's ahead. Show me, that, show me that stumbling block that the devil's... Do you realize if you get enough presence of the Lord, spend enough time in the presence of God, that God can warn you of what's down the road before you even get to it, before you don't even have to fall into the hole? He says, something's coming up down the road. Get ready. And you'll see it and turn the other way. God's discernment and power and wisdom is better than any trap the devil can try to bring against you. So read Matthew chapter 3 later. Bow your heads and close your eyes if you would, please. All across this place, there is a hunger in this place. There is a thirsting in this place. There is a desire in this place. And I know it's starting right here, but I know I'm not the only one. We're going to see a revival. We're in revival, but we're going to see a revival that's going to give God glory. We're just scratching the surface. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. God, God's going to orchestrate every step. He's going to make every move for us. What we're going to do is we're going to do our part. We're going to stay humble. We're going to pray bold prayers. We're going to stay hungry for God. And we're going to turn from sin and stay away from those demonic forces of darkness and anything that would hinder God's move. And we're going to stay away from those things that, 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 that hurt the name of Jesus and defy and, and deny the power of God. And we're going to see God move all across this place. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Maybe you're listening on, on the podcast tonight and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and Right now, you're realizing that you are not saved. Just being here, just that's, what's gonna, that's what happens being in the presence of God. Is you come, and, and just because you're here, you realize just because I'm here, that doesn't save me. But have I been born again? Have I repented of my sins? Have I asked Jesus, the King of glory, to forgive me tonight? Have I repented of those things that are wrong and don't please Him? Have I said, Jesus, be Lord and Master of my life? If you have not done that tonight, I'm, again, I'm not asking, are you here physically? I'm not asking how many times you've come. But if you're here tonight and you don't know for sure, if you passed into eternity tonight or tomorrow or the next day, you don't know where you'll spend eternity forever. Tonight's your night. Today's your day. Today's the acceptable day of the Lord. How many all over this place with heads bowed and eyes closed could be honest with God and just say, please pray for me. You're talking to me. Just lift up your hand. Put it right back down. All over this place. That's me. I need to be saved tonight. I see your hand. I need to be saved tonight. I need Jesus to come into my life. I want to be born again. That's me. 
all over this place. I'm going to wait just a moment. We're going to pray in just a moment. I believe someone's listening online right now, and this is going to have been recorded, but that's how the Holy Spirit works, and you have been running from God, and tonight you're going to give your life back to the Lord, and you're one of those people that God has, 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 has asked to, to be used by God, and you've been running, but tonight you're going to run back, back to, back to God. How many in this place here, present tonight, could say, you know what, I need to come home. I need to come back to the Lord tonight. I need to repent and I need to be born again. I need to be reconciled tonight. Just lift your hand up and put it right back down all over this place. I see your hand. God bless you. God bless you, young man. I see your hand. It's not, it's not by works that we're saved. It's by repentance. A repentant heart is fruit of righteousness. Let's stand to our feet tonight all over this place. Let's stay in this attitude of worship. We're going we're gonna to take some time here in a minute to, to pray, to worship, to humble ourselves, to seek the face of the Lord, to, to, to check those four things we talked about, to deal with those things. Those, that's not a lot to remember, amen? And, and, and what a lot of it happens, the, the hunger for God and the bold prayers come once we humble ourselves. That stuff just begins to automatically happen because then God comes down and says, I'll let you be with me if you've got a humble spirit. Did anybody catch tonight that number one's the key? Just staying humble. If someone says, man, God's really using you, you, you just say, thank you. Glory to God. Praise be to Jesus. He's, it's all for him. If you just push it up to him and give him all the glory and realize that you can never do anything on your own, but it's God in you. He can do amazing things. Amen? But he resists the, pri the prideful. All over this place, before we move to the next thing, before we pray online together, if you're here and you raise your hand for either one of those two things, I want to ask you to do something else. If you meant business, if you're serious about it, and maybe you didn't even raise your hand, but something's telling you, you need to go. Your heart's beating a little faster because the devil's telling you, stay in your seat. And God is knocking on the door of your heart saying, come down and make a public confession of your faith that you believe in me. Maybe you've never done that here before. If you raised your hand or you know you're not saved tonight, would you do one more thing? Would you step out, of the near, out to the nearest aisle and just come down here real quick? Hands went up. Just step out. Come down. Amen. Just step out and come on down. Come on. Let's give a bigger hand. This is not a golf tournament. Come over here, buddy. Praise Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. How many more? Maybe, maybe you're here and you know you need to come right now. I'm going to give just a few seconds. Would you pray with me? Would you begin to pray right there where you're at and just say, Lord, touch the heart of any person that's in this place tonight that's not ready to meet you. The devil's a liar. There's, there's somebody staying back and you are not ready. I, I, I'm telling you, you need to make a move tonight. Every once in a while, the, Lord, the Holy Spirit will be the, do this with me. If you walked out of this place tonight and breathed your last breath, and you might think, oh, I'm going to live for a while. It could, it could be tonight. I'm not trying to scare you. It's a fact. There are some people in this place tonight that are not right with God. You need to, you need to make a decision right now, and you need to stop caring what people think about you. That's your first problem. That's pride. That's pride. I'm going to wait just a few moments. You, you, if, if, you, if you die tomorrow, you are not ready 
And you're going to stand before God, and he is going to say, I told you through that preacher you needed to get right, and you didn't listen to me. It's serious business. I'm going to wait just a few seconds. Are you ready? Are you right? Amen. I can't, I, I can't come for you. I wish I could. But I feel like there's somebody who's playing games, somebody who's, 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 who's just maybe thinks they're okay here. But your heart is telling you you're not okay. There's some things you need to change. Now, I didn't say you had to have it all together because none of us have it all together. But you put your faith in Jesus. It could be somebody listening online right now too. Amen? Let's pray tonight a salvation prayer. Everybody with me. Lord Jesus, I believe with all my heart that you are the Son of God. You are the King of the universe. You are salvation. And I believe you died on the cross after living a perfect, sacrificial life. Jesus, I believe you rose from the dead to defeat death, hell, and the grave. And Jesus, I accept you tonight as my Lord and my Savior. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart. God raised you from the dead. And because of that alone, I am saved by your grace. Thank you, Jesus, for changing my life tonight and starting a new creation. I am born again for the glory and honor of Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big...